Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. You are called to be kings and queens. Perhaps this being Halloween, you are wondering where you can get your costume. But seriously, we are called to be royalty. Today is the feast of Jesus Christ the King. And as Christians, we are called to all that Jesus is. And that includes his kingship. But what is the basis of Christ's kingship and therefore the basis of ours? And what does it mean to our lives? First, Christ is the ultimate king by nature. After all, he's God, co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and the fullness of God dwells in him. We too were created to be kings and queens by nature. Of course, not the ultimate monarch of the universe. That title re resides with God alone. But we see in the Garden of Eden that Adam is indeed a king. Perhaps we too often think of Adam and Eve as just the progenitors of all mankind, which actually isn't that clear from the narrative itself, as there appear to be other populations, for example, east of Eden, etc. But we're not going to get into all that today. Instead, let's focus on the aspects of the story that tell us that Adam and Eve are being portrayed as king and queen. First, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. In a general sense, to be made in the image and likeness of another is to be born from them. After all, our children are in our likeness and image. This raises the, the second way that Christ is the ultimate king by inheritance. Of course, Christ received his title as the natural son of God from all eternity. But God, in the creation of mankind, in his image and likeness, also gives us kingship. A kingship that we have inherited. The kingship, the, the, the kingship that we have inherited from Adam, naturally. But we know also that through Christ, we are all sons and daughters of God. In one of many examples, St. Paul says in Galatians, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Thus, Jesus has joined us with his inheritance, as St. Paul in today's epistle says, so that we likewise receive not just sonship, but kingship. But without power and without a kingdom, you may be king, but you'd be a pretty impotent one. So let's keep reading. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. When God created mankind, he bestowed upon us dominion over all the animals of the earth. Dominion is definitely a feature of kings, of course. And this third feature of kings is also a feature of God who is the creator and ruler of all. And it continues in Genesis 2, where we hear, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge and good and, of good and evil. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it 
and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good for man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So once again here, we see God is bestowing dominion to mankind. Adam named the animals at God's command. And God gave us dominion to dress and keep the Garden of Eden. And there's several aspects of this story like that that imply kingship. For example, Adam dressing and keeping the garden. Each of these features show Adam's control and his role in seeing the good order of his domain. Often due to some painful historical experiences, as Americans in particular, we've come to think of kings as folks who primarily tax us and fight us. Certainly those were roles kings had, but they were not their primary role. Historically, the most important role of the king was to ensure the good order of his dominion. Of course, taxation and warfare rightly could be used to ensure that. And indeed, I'll come back to warfare in a moment. But it was also important to ensure that the kingdom was functioning beneficially towards the production of food, ensuring the social order, maintaining religion, etc. And a good king knows that he's not only the head, but he's also a subject of his own kingdom. In these wise words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes, Moreover, the prophet of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. Of course, we see that, see that clearly in Christ, who tells us, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for man. We are likewise called to be good monarchs. In some ways, we should see ourselves as princes and princesses, subject to our absolute monarch in Christ the King, who has been bestowed uh, subjects of our own to care for in the good order of Christ's kingdom. And who are our monarchy's subjects? Those are our neighbors, the persons we come into contact with, whether daily, occasionally, or only once. We're called to think of the larger kingdom, but to cultivate and control our local environment only. Even Jesus himself chose not to come to an age with jet planes and the internet. He came to a world where his earthly domain would be just the distance he could regularly walk. We need to think hard about our kingdom, because with all the ways we have a view of the larger world, it's hard for us to focus on that kingdom. So are we spending more time thinking about what's going on in Washington than what's going on in our neighborhood? Are we more concerned with the suffering in sub-Saharan Africa or India than we are with people right next to us who are hurting? Yes, real problems and perhaps bigger problems exist in other places. But as Jesus tells us, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm certain Jesus would also advise us not to worry about everything else going on in the world because our neighborhood has enough trouble of its own. Of course, if you have the means to help beyond your, that immediate sphere of influence, great, do so. But only once you're sure you've done all you can for that immediate sphere of influence. On this Halloween evening, I encourage you 
to think about making connections with people. Don't let these rare events that bring us out of our houses and give us opportunities to mingle with our neighbors go to waste. What could you do to bring connection and joy to those around you tonight? Our world is dying for a connection, but we get far too much of it from artificial connections on Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter, rather than meaningful interactions with the people right next to us. Let's consider that as we approach Advent and think of ways to dial back our less meaningful connections and strengthen the more meaningful ones with God and our neighbor. Finally, I told you I'd come back to warfare. The fourth way that Christ is king is by right of conquest. And where did Christ achieve his victory? The cross, of course. On the cross, Jesus freed us from the dominion of sin and death. In St. Paul's words from today's epistle, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Adam and Eve were king and queen, but in the fall they became subject to another monarch, Satan. And they became ruled by sin and death rather than righteousness and life. Christ would not accept this. And in the liturgy each week we celebrate his victory. The Mass throughout is a victory celebration. From our victory procession to the high ceremony, the rich vestments, the elevations, and our bowing of the knee to his very kingly presence before us each week. The host, the large piece of bread we use in the ceremonials at the altar, that along with the rest of the bread become the very body of Christ, is imprinted with XCIC Nika, meaning Christ Jesus Victor. Here in church, we bow our knee to Jesus rather than Satan to acknowledge his victory over this. But as I've already noted, the wise king is not only master, but also servant. Christ's victory was won in humility and in service to his subjects. He is the good king willing to lay down his life to protect his subjects. But when we leave his throne room, when we leave his castle, this church, and go out into the world, who do we bow our knee to? To Jesus or to Satan? Do we re-subject ourselves to sin and death rather than continue to relish in the freedom and life that he's fought so hard for us to have? Do we bow down to the idols of money, fame, sex, food, possessions? Or do we remember the good example of our great King, Jesus Christ? who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped at, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Well, we, as St. Paul admonishes us in Philippians, have this mind amongst ourselves. Well, we have that mind so that we, along with Christ, can be lifted up and exalted with him. Will we humble ourselves and become servants, or will we remain tiny tyrants, grasping at power and possession? I pray, my brothers and sisters, that we will take seriously our calling to be servant monarchs. I pray that we will be subject to and learn from the ultimate monarch of the entire universe, God. Pray that we will rule our kingdoms, our neighborhoods, that are full of lonely, hurting people, full of people who are sitting in darkness, full of people who need food, clothing, 
shelter, or just a kind word. That we will rule our kingdoms with the same love, forgiveness, servitude, and sacrifice that Jesus Christ has ruled all of creation with. I pray we do not abdicate our thrones, but instead channel the authority, power, and dominion granted to us by our ultimate King, Jesus Christ, through whom all things are possible to bring light, hope, love, and joy to all we meet. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer, King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.